And they looked at me and my physical stature. I'm 5'2", weigh 100 pounds. And they're like, you can't do this work. You have all this experience. You have all this knowledge. But I don't think you can physically do it. And they put me on the list in a way where I would never get called in, especially that time in the economy. If you weren't in the top five, you weren't getting called in the next five years. Yeah. So I was like 15th or something on the list and I didn't get called for five years. And that kind of took the wind out of my sails of devastating. Yeah. Yeah. Being in the trades. So I wasn't even thinking about it. I was going to go to school to be an accountant. And then I met Mm -hmm. Scott. And you basically had given up on your dream because of that right there. I I fully gave up. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Remodel Your Life. We are shining the light on women working in the trades and remodeling their life into something better. Join a female cabinet maker in California in bringing together kitchen remodeling and working with your hands for a living. Welcome your host, Camille Finan. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining us today. I've got an amazing guest, Emma Fowler, who is basically training to be a high-end residential carpenter. And she's kind of in the middle of her journey, and she's going to kind of share with us Uh, you know, how she got into it and what she's been doing. And then she has a side project where she's also a potter. So welcome to the show, Emma. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So can you kind of give me a background of how you got in or what's your current job? I know you work out of uh, San Francisco mostly, but can you kind of tell us like what your job description is and your sort of long windy journey to get into what you're doing right now that I know you absolutely love? Yeah, definitely. So I work for Clayton Timbrell and Company. They're a residential remodel firm in San Francisco. And I'm working on one project. They kind of put you on one and you stay there. And I'm an apprentice carpenter with them. So I'm being trained by a superintendent who's been with the company for several years. And he runs the job and gives me all kinds of tasks. So I focus primarily on carpentry. So building walls, building closets, doing uh, heading off of joists for the electricians, kind of staying one step ahead of all of the subcontractors and other trades that are starting to come into the building as the framing is getting complete. And then he's also training me on superintendent tasks. So I also take night classes at a community college in construction management. So he's teaching me kind of more business side stuff as well as the physical carpentry. So I'm learning about layout. I'm learning about having meetings with the designer and the project manager to kind of stay on top of those things. So eventually I will move from being an apprentice carpenter to a carpenter to a superintendent within that company. Wow, that's incredible. What an opportunity. (laughs) That is not a typical uh, journey. (laughs) What a blessing. I mean, that is an amazing opportunity that you have, not only that he's one, letting you learn the business management, money-making side and, you know, organization, but he's also letting you and championing you basically to do all the physical work. I love the combination of those. That is uh, very powerful. Yeah. <laughs> you will yeah, be very, very successful. <laughs> so, uh, and that's what I think is missing in this industry is that not only are there not nearly enough girls doing the actual physical work, which we're fantastic uh-huh. at, uh, but yeah. there's not a lot of women at the top that know the physical work 
So really knows how long it actually takes, not just designers, not just, you know, an HR, but actually know how to do the real fucking work and mm-hmm. are in charge of other people and hiring other women eventually. You're literally at the cutting edge of that because that's what needs to happen is that people at the top, women at the top need, need to be able to hire other women at the bottom and mm-hmm. actually teach them how to do the physical work. So that's been a major missing part of it, I think, for me. And I, I'm so happy to hear you're going to be doing that. I think that's just fantastic. So hopefully, eventually, you will hire other women, right, to work on yeah. that crew. That's um, my goal. That's yeah. your goal. Good. And so, like, what's your what was your journey before you got hired at this sounds like an amazing company? Like, what did you do before this? I have done many, many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the trades, I started about 10 or 12 months ago, I met a friend at a friend's birthday party, a guy at a friend's birthday party. And he said he was a general contractor and he was specifically looking for women for his crew because he thought that they were very organized. Hmm. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But he gave me a chance and he hired me as an electrical apprentice. Hmm. So he, I found out later, wasn't an licensed electrician. Right. But he taught me how to do electrical. So I learned that for nine months. It's fantastic. I can do any part of electrical that you need. I love that. And women make such good electricians. I mean, it's so perfect for them. Like, Uh it should be full of women electricians. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I didn't even know that part of your story. So that's incredible. Yep. So I did that and it was great. And then as I kind of got more involved, I was like, I want to work with a company that has benefits. There are some values things that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I just looked for other opportunities. I also wanted to learn carpentry so that I could become a general contractor or a superintendent. I wasn't going to get there just learning electrical. Mm -hmm. So uh, I found Clayton through Craigslist. He had a post up for a carpenter with 10 years experience. And then at the bottom, he said, or if you want to be an apprentice, maybe I'll consider you. And so I was like, well, he put it in there. So I'm going to email him. And then he emailed me back five minutes later. And the next day I got hired. Incredible. See, that's the kind of champions. That's why, I mean, I know this show is kind of for women and about women, but there's a lot of men behind the scenes that have helped people and like helped me. And mm-hmm. those are the guys that give those little cracks for us to get in there and show what we can do. I mean, what what a hero that he gave you that shot. I mean, wow. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. amazing. Good for him. It's really amazing. And there's a, the electrical foreman on the job is a woman. She works for a different oh, company. But it's, there's two of us on the job site and wow. it's incredible. I yeah. should interview her. <laughs> yeah. I don't I have an, yeah, I don't have an electrician woman, but I know they're good at do I mean, I know that's a perfect fit for them. So okay, so that's how you got started kind of in this little industry. But what did you do before? Like how old are you and what did you do before you even got into the trades at all? Because mm-hmm. I have a feeling so, you have an interesting background. I do. Yeah. So I'm uh, almost thirty. At the end of the month I'll be thirty. I have a formal training in ceramics. I started throwing pots when I was 11 years old and kind of kept that up always. I went to art school. I have a bachelor's of fine arts in ceramics. My senior year of college, I started a ceramic company with my wife. It was called Sadie and Emma Pottery Company. Hmm. I ran that for four years while I also worked lots of side jobs. Mm -hmm. So I, I can do flower arranging. I did live bee removal from structures and forests and things in Los Angeles. <laughs> I love that. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I See, I knew there was it. a good story there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one. There's actually a lot of combination between the trades and bee removal because you have to take apart walls. You have to 
get into interesting spaces and then rebuild them. Hmm. So I actually learned a lot about the trades from doing bee removal. And bees are incredible. So yeah, there's oh, that. They are. <laughs> They're the little yeah. carpenters of their world, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I got into doing inventory management and other things of that nature. So I worked at several hardware stores and lumber yards as an assistant manager of a lumber yard. Uh, so I, I love the sales side of the trades. I love working in a hardware store and having women come in with their husbands being intimidated by the store and just kind of walking them through stuff and making them feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. That was a really big part of that job for me. And me working in that lumber yard, it changed the whole demographic. So it used to be 75% men would shop and then it became 50% men and women. Mm -hmm. And it was good because women often take a leading role in their remodeling projects, but then they go into spaces to pick up materials or make a decision and they get very intimidated. Yeah. So being in the store or being on the job site, there's a, a bridge in that communication, which is really fantastic to see. Yeah. Well, and especially because you actually knew what the hell you were doing. So mm-hmm. you weren't just, you know, like a cute girl in there going, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you actually were really able to really give them real technical information and help them make a good choice. So I love that. I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah. Okay, so then what did you do after the lumberyard? After the lumberyard, I was a manager at a grocery store. And then I did inventory management at several other grocery stores. And then I went back to being an accountant. So through having my own company, I learned how to do bookkeeping. Hmm. And uh, I have worked for several nonprofits and a small food manufacturing company. And that was a really good way for me to keep those skills because eventually I want to be an entrepreneur, have ceramic Mm -hmm. companies or be a GC. So knowing accounting is important to do that. So I use that. And then I met Scott at a party and he offered me a job in the trades. Nice. Didn't you have um, an experience happen down in Santa Barbara though, where you were sort of, didn't you try to do something and you were sort of shut out of that? Oh, yes. I forgot about that. Yeah. What <laughs> happened with that story? Because I remember us talking about that. Briefly. Yeah. When I was in Santa Barbara at the lumberyard, I really wanted to get into the trades. And because being in the lumberyard was kind of a dead end place, I couldn't start building things. I was just at the lumberyard. So I applied to the electrical union in Santa Barbara County. I made it through all the tests, through all the interviews, and then Uh, like the paper interviews. And then I went to the physical interview and it was just a panel of men. And they looked at me, my physical stature, I'm 5'2", I weigh 100 pounds. And they're like, you can't do this work. You have all this experience, you have all this knowledge, but I don't think you can physically do it. And they put me on the list in a way where I would never get called in, especially that time in the economy. If you weren't in the top five, you weren't getting called in the next five years. Yeah. So I was like, 15th or something on the list and I didn't get called for five years and that kind of took the wind out of my sails of devastating yeah yeah being in the trades so I wasn't even thinking about it I was gonna go to school to be an accountant and then I met Mm. Scott and so you basically had given up on your dream because of that right there I I fully gave up yeah yeah. and so were you so when you say you were because if you got to the point of being on the list that means you made it through your apprenticeship you mean no, I was on the list to get into the apprenticeship. Oh, to get into the apprenticeship because um, people probably don't understand quite how the union works, but you actually have mm. to, some some unions, like in the Carpenters Union, you didn't have to be sponsored, but you did have to have a job 
to stay in the union. So a lot of people think you just, they give you jobs. They don't just give you jobs. Yeah. Um, but I think it sounds like in the electrical union, you had to be sponsored. They, they had to basically pre-sponsor you to even let you into the apprenticeship program, right? Exactly. Is that kind of like what it sounds like? It's not just, they don't let everybody in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our, to even start learning the, the classwork side of it, you mm-hmm. had to have a company that was going to hire you as an apprentice. Right. You had to be sponsored basically. Yeah. Yes. Um, like immigration or something, right? <laughs> like a refugee. Somebody has to sponsor you to get into the country. Yeah. Yep. For the Carpenters Union, I went in and I was like two of, I don't know, hundreds of people. And there was only two girls. Or there might have been four girls and only two of us made it through. But you didn't have to be sponsored to get into the apprenticeship. But you had to go through the apprenticeship and get like 95%. And I swear that none of the men even had to do that. But mm-hmm. you had to be like the very top of your class. And then once you got out of the program... You have to go out and hustle for all your own jobs. You have to physically, you know, walk onto job sites <laughs> and yeah. try to convince some go- huge, you know, old white uh-huh. fat guy that's never <laughs> seen you, right? Like typically yeah. to convince you that, and I was the same way, I'm five foot three, but I was also a hundred pounds. Yeah. And, um, and to convince them that you wanted to be a carpenter's apprentice starting wage on an actual job site. Yeah. So yeah, you can imagine how many times I was turned down. <laughs> I, <can't. laughs> I was yeah. told no for that. Um, and kind of like you, I got my start only because one guy, Dundee Construction, saw something in me, whatever that was that that guy saw in you. And he said, okay, I'll let mm-hmm. you try, right? And then that's all yeah. it took because once I could, you know, put siding on and be on a pump jack and frame frame roofs and do all the same stuff that the guys were doing. He was like, whatever, sky's the limit. So yeah, you just need that shot. You just need that foot in the door for someone to give you a chance. So, okay. So, so you were definitely devastated by that and decided to go and do a different direction, which I'm so thankful this other opportunity came along because you wouldn't be in our little tribe. Yeah. So, um, so, okay. So working right now, like what's the part of doing high-end residential, but where you're working on just one home at a time? Whereas like I'm in multiple homes, but I'm just doing kitchens, but I'm still in multiple mm-hmm. homes, but it is still residential, but not as expensive as what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. Can you kind of describe like what's an average day as a carpenter's apprentice in that sort of environment? Like, what are you doing? What's the types of things you do? What do you like about it the best? What do you not like about it? Like, you know, just kind of like, what's it like doing that job right now? It's fascinating. There's several different stages that are going on. So this job, they're doing uh, a foundation change as well. So they're taking it from kind of like a half basement, about five feet tall, more like a crawl space, and they're turning it into a 10 foot space. Hmm. So they're going around section by section, demolishing the original foundation, rebuilding it, and then filling that in with shotcrete, which I'd never mm-hmm. experienced before. But it's, it's basically like it's vertical amazing. concrete. It's, it's pretty incredible. incredible. It's you incredible. would not think concrete could be that exciting, but it is. Yeah. No, yeah. I watched that pour happened on Thursday and I watched oh. it for at least two hours. My yeah. guys were like, what are you doing? I was like watching the most incredible thing ever. <laughs> it's like incredible. Yeah, uh-huh. I know. I've seen it. It's really cool. Um, yeah, but. Before the shock report happened, I was doing layout for the whole basement framing that was going to happen. So they were digging the holes for the rebar. There was giant machinery going around everywhere. And I was balancing a 12-foot ladder, getting my little self up there, putting two-by-fours on the ceiling joists, and then very precisely measuring Mm -hmm. from existing framing to where these new pieces of framing were going to be, which is really cool to kind of see that space start to take place. Yeah. And what an amazing um, 
scary and exhilarating, right? Like you're literally the person doing a very important part of this, very mm-hmm. important part. Like your part is extremely critical, right? And I'm sure yeah. people are checking you and all that, but still the fact that you're able to do something so important, maybe nobody really understands that, but you're doing the actual layout of where the actual new house is going to be, the new framing is going to be. And mm-hmm. That's a really, really important job. And they're allowing you to do that is amazing, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it gives you a lot of confidence and pride, like every single day, I imagine. It really does. Yeah. So then after I did the layout, I did the lumber takeoff, which is ordering all the lumber to build up that. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to to accurately estimate how much wood you're going to need and place that order. And then the order got delivered and I had to (laughs) unload it, which if you can imagine getting like... (laughs) 500 pieces of two by four and two by six and two by six posts, like all this crazy lumber. And that's kind of where my size is a little bit of a disadvantage. There's a guy that's like six, four and weighs 300 Mm -hmm. pounds. He would carry three two by sixes that was 10 feet long. I'd carry one. And it was okay, but it was also great to to kind of have that physical day after Mm -hmm. doing so much mental uh, stuff with the layout. Yeah. But you can really see how women actually are really an advantage on a lot of stuff because that big old huge guy getting up on this huge 12 foot ladder up and down and up and down and up and down doing all this precise Mm -hmm. stuff was perfect for your body style like literally perfect you're like a spider monkey doing that so there's all these little things on a job site that people don't really realize like for me you know, I can crawl inside of a sink cabinet base <laughs> right? yeah. and drill my holes for the plumbing, right? Like I can get into yep. little up into a hood cabinet and like places that full grown men, it's really difficult to get into. So there's all these like competitive physical size advantages that you actually have as a woman and being mm-hmm. smaller and, and then guys have their advantages with strength or height or whatever, but we yeah. all have these amazing advantages. And it's like this combination is such a sweet spot for me that I love. Um, everybody can be really good at what they're good at. And um, I, I just think that's a perfect example of what you're doing. So, and I love that they still let you do all the big heavy shit. Like just yeah. do as much as you can, right? Because you're going to make it up on all this other stuff. So I love that. Um, yeah, it's really nice. Okay. So then, okay. So then what else? I keep interrupting because I'm too excited. (laughs) It's okay. So then I'll also do, I'll get interrupted from doing layout and they'll say, Hey, the electricians have decided where they want the lights in the hallway at the top of the stairs. Will you go head off those joists? Mm -hmm. So what that means is the light is going to fall directly in between three joists. Mm -hmm. So you need to cut off the middle one, put blocking in to make sure that it's stable and secure. Yeah. And then put blocking in vertically parallel to the joist to make sure that it's the correct width for the light mm-hmm. that's going in there. Right. So I also get pulled off to do that, which kind of hones my my physical mm-hmm. carpentry skills. I learn yeah. about the measuring and the cutting and attaching and all of that stuff. And doing it efficiently, quickly, because there's people waiting. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're able to, again, another great trait of women is multitasking, right? The ability to switch Mm -hmm. from one side of the brain to the other side of the brain, do something physical, do something mental, something calculating money and materials, and then immediately going and putting in blocking, right? Like that combination of that, I think is really, well, obviously that's why they like you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. There's another apprentice that started two weeks after me and he is this giant man and the different (laughs) tasks that get assigned to us, you can really see how they're they're mm-hmm. playing off of our skills. But then there's sometimes where my superintendent will say, I know that Brian can do this fantastically. So we're going to give it to Emma so that she can learn how to yep. learn how to use this brute force. But right. other times it'll take me twice as long and they'll just be like, let Brian. Let's just get it done today. That. Let's and just then, get it done for today. Yeah. 
yeah. then go back and show her how you did it. Yeah. Which I think is awesome. I mean, I, the fact that they're so smart, I wish more companies at the top, more, you know, CEOs of construction companies could see the benefit of that because they're basically completely being efficient with both of your strengths mm-hmm. and not playing off of each other, like making each of you feel bad or whatever. They're using yeah. you in conjunction, which just reinforces all of you, right? That's- Definitely. And we've started to use each other, like without yeah. their, mm-hmm. their intervening, we will say, Hey, Brian, will you bust this up? And he'll you say, just pick will that you do up? this for me? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah. So blocking. So you get kind uh-huh. of interrupted and you're able to do small things in between that keeps the job moving forward. Yes. And then we're also uh, slowly going around the outside of the house, the exterior walls. All the studs are nailed through the stucco. So there's inch mm. thick stucco on mm-hmm. the outside and then old sheathing. So the house is almost 200 years old. Boy, that so stuff that sh- is fun to get through. <laughs> Uh, it's really fun. We yeah. just did a house. We just did a kitchen and the entire, it took us, oh my God, it took us like eight times longer to get through all that stuff. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we are like on the second floor trying to gingerly mm-hmm. bust out these studs that are all nailed every six inches <laughs> exactly. from the outside. Yeah. So that we don't uh, break the stucco off and it falls 20 uh, feet into the street or wherever. Yeah. And so learning how to destroy things with mm-hmm. finesse that also takes lots of physical strength is really interesting. And then also learning how to do the layout for transfer studs for shear walls. There's lots of shear walls. We're in California. So learning how to have that earthquake safety and the the mechanisms that create that and Mm -hmm. laying out where the hold downs go, installing hold downs. It's very interesting to kind of learn. That's really, that's really technical. That's really Mm -hmm. technical. So you're learning that stuff too, which is amazing. And learning all of that. Yeah. And being in charge of it. So Mm. he'll give me this 14 foot shear wall and say, okay, do all the layout for the transfer studs. A transfer stud is when you ha- you're going to have two pieces of plywood meet on one stud. Mm-hmm. If you just have a normal two by four, it's not big enough for both corners. Right, so you have to have a three by four. So you have all that space for the. Mm-hmm. You have to go in and like backfill basically with kind of, so there's room to nail it to, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. A two by four is not wide enough. Mm-hmm. So we'll, I'll do that. And then have that laid out and then where the new studs go in and look at the existing framing and see what we consist or what needs to get taken out and how to keep that wall structurally sound until we have these new pieces in that will support the additional stucco and then how to attach the existing sheathing with the stucco hanging from it that weighs 400 pounds to the new Mm -hmm. wood that we put for the wall. So doing that as well. Mm. So challenging. I mean, technically challenging and it makes you, he's giving you the opportunity to really use your brain, like really, really think about where this wall is going, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. use what he's taught you, but then you apply it and he's giving you the time to actually do that, right? To work that through like a general. I mean, all that responsibility um, is incredible. Wow. again for listening this far. We're going to take a quick break and I'm going to tell you about a product I just love that helps support this show.
Oh my gosh, you guys. So today I'm opening up my Blue Apron package, which I get every single Wednesday. And I'm so excited because I get to pull out my recipe cards and see what I get this week. Basically, the first reason why I'm so excited about cooking with Blue Apron is I get to open all these little new packages every single week. A bunch of super cute little items, all individually wrapped. I mean, who doesn't like getting gifts, right? And the fact that it's food every single Wednesday is just thrilling. So I love the sound of that box opening and I get all kinds of new things and I have absolutely no idea what I'm getting each week. You can go ahead and check all of it ahead of time. And I used to do that, but then I got so comfortable that I basically just trust Blue Apron that I never even look ahead. And I love being surprised each week. Like my job is stressful and there's a lot of decisions that are being made all the time and lots of problems that have to be solved all day long. So for me, it's such a nice mental break to be able to just mindlessly, but with a lot of fun, enjoy opening up a bunch of new packages. In addition, the excitement of opening a fun box of gifts every week, like the entire Blue Apron experience, is literally the best part of cooking. That's really what Blue Apron has done for me. They've taken all the hassle out of it, all the extra expense, all the wasted food, all the lack of creativity, and trying to figure out what recipe to do week after week, They've basically streamlined it down to just the absolute best parts of cooking. That's why I love it. So if you want to experience the best parts of cooking with me, Blue Apron style, just head over to remodelyourlifepodcast.com forward slash Blue Apron and get started today. And you can get $30 off your first week and a portion of your purchases will help support my show. And I thank you so much. And I would love to see what you're cooking this week with Blue Apron. And then I'll do like really basic things like, hey, is this the right angle that I shoot the nail through with the nail gun? Because I'm learning how to use a nail gun All the while I'm also learning how to do sheer wall framing. Mm -hmm. So these more high-end cerebral things with also the physical, like, is this the angle that you shoot the nail in? Nope, that went know. all the way through. You're like, yeah. okay, slightly different angle. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's the only, you're probably using the big um, 16 penny nail gun, right? I assume, yeah. like, a fra like a regular frame. Framing, yeah. yeah. Um, I used to use that like all day long in the in the uh -huh. union and I was lucky enough never to shoot myself except for one time when I was framing a wall and I um I don't even know how it happened. I had my knee just a little bit too close to it and it went, you know, they're three and a half inches long or whatever, mm -hmm. and it went all the way through and then just about a half inch into my kneecap. Oh uh, man, did that hurt. Oh, oh I never yes. made that mistake again. Ooh, no, I still mm -hmm. have the scar. So yeah, that's, I believe it. That's an amazing nail gun, but it is, uh, it's like a gun. I mean, for sure. It's you, a can, gun. It's, you can kill yourself with that nail gun. Yeah. Yes. I, my superintendent told me a story of when he was shooting a nail and he had himself like wedged in between studs in a way where he couldn't move. Yeah. And the nail went into the wood, mm -hmm. turned around and came right back at his face. And it hit him in the safety glasses. And there was like a dent in the safety glasses. Nothing wow. else happened. But it terrified me to a point where I wear normal glasses, <laughs> yeah. but I never used to wear safety glasses on site. And now I've ordered prescription safety yeah, glasses. Yeah, I would they with haven't that. Arrived, but I wear goggles over my glasses mm -hmm. when I'm shooting nail guns because it's I mean, that, that is a really protective gear. That is a really unusual thing to happen. I mean, I've been using them for years and nothing like that's ever come. Usually they yeah. go the direction they want to go. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's like a metal plate behind it or something. Um, <laughs> mostly, I think most people get hurt with that nail gun. Um, 
just because of the size and they put themselves in a really awkward position exactly. and they don't, they're not looking at how far the nail is going through on the other side. That's how most people, or yeah. they shoot and it keeps shooting. Like we would take the safeties uh -huh. off of all our guns, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> you're using them all day long, right? Like you don't yeah. have time for the safety and you would shoot over the roof. Like there was a lot of things happening where you're shooting and you don't realize you shot again, that last um, yep. nail and you can't see it leave because it's like a gunshot and it hits uh -huh. the guy on the roof next to you <laughs> right on the other house yeah. that's a pretty common thing to happen um that's but funny. generally it's a, it's actually a really safe thing you just have to know how big that nail is and where it's going right exactly um, i'll tell you another story but this will not happen to you i swear but this is like oh. a great time <laughs> to tell this story um so the girl the other girl that was in the union with me amazing girl named tanya and uh as we went through the union, I was doing like a little bit better than her. So I was a tiny bit like ahead of her. And some of the guys were using me on side projects, right? I was doing some work on the side mm -hmm. with some of the older guys and making a little extra money and getting some better skills. So I was doing a little bit of stuff on the side. And so she was sort of jealous of that, you know, like in a good way. She was like, oh, my God, I want to get to the point where I can do that, right? And so, yeah. um, but she wasn't as comfortable with her tools as I was at the bigger tools. And so... Mm -hmm. So one day she got this, this older guy said, Hey, I'm doing this side job. You're not even supposed to do side jobs in the union, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, he said, Hey, I'm, I'm putting in this fire. I don't know. I'm doing some fireplace mantle or something. I can't remember. You know, so he asked her to come and help and earn, earn a little bit of money on the side. So it was a Saturday. And what ended up happening was it was her very first side job. Okay. Her very <laughs> first little teeny thing, right? She's so excited. And just to show you like how fast something can happen. He was like up on a little six foot ladder, not even a big deal. Mm -hmm. He was doing something and he asked her to hand him the nail gun. It's that same framing nail gun, the 16 penny mm -hmm. and 16 gate, um, uh, not 16 penny. It's a, God, I haven't used it in years. Cause we don't, they're too big for the shop now. Um, but I know, I know you, it's a framers nail gun. It's a huge nail gun. Yeah. And, um, so she picked up the nail gun. This is attached to the air hose. And it's heavy, right? You know, it's big. It's heavy. Yeah. And she stood up on the first or second step, right, of his ladder, right? Just okay, right behind him. And she reached up to hand it to him, right? And as yeah. she reached up to hand it to him, she wasn't really, like, when we teach power tool classes, we always teach to keep the tip away from you, like, at all times, yes. away from everybody yeah. else and yourself, because you just don't know what's going to happen. She had inadvertently put her hand on the trigger when she was ah. stepping up, and she didn't really realize it, right? Uh -huh. And he said, Hey, he said, um, stop that nail gun just went off. And she's like, what? She's, she like, didn't even hear it. It happened so fast. She didn't. And you know, it's loud, but yeah, it's, very it, loud. it's way loud, but the air compressor is running and like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he says, Nope. He said, step down. He said, the nail gun just went off. And she's like, no, it didn't. And he's like, it just went off. He's like, set the nail gun down away from me, away from you. He's like, mm -hmm. let me look at you. And she's like, what? I'm fine. And he's like, where's the, like, where's the nail? Like, no, that nail gun went off and it's, you know, it's a three inch long nail, four inch long nail. Yeah. So she was embarrassed, right? Cause <laughs> as we would all be <laughs> right. She's on uh -huh. her first little job and she's trying to impress him. And, and he's like, no, um, I know that nail gun went off. Let me look at you. And he's like, take off your jacket, take off your shirt. And she's like, you know, she's just in a bra. She's yeah. mortified. And he's like, take off your shirt. So he, she takes off her shirt and you're not going to believe where this what happened? She literally shot herself in the belly button. Oh, the my nail head was silver, right? It is literally just the head is directly in the middle of her belly button. She Whoa. had shot because it's shooting like, you know, she's stepping up, right? And yeah. it shot straight into her stomach and the adrenaline was so high. She didn't even feel it. 
right? Wow. And she's embarrassed, right? So she's yeah. kind of like, and so she kind of like, he's like, sit down because you're probably going to pass out. <laughs> they called 911. They had to call the hospital. I mean, just, yeah. And so she wow. had basically punctured like her intestines in like 19 places. Oh my God. It was like a big deal. So she had to quit the union. It was like not a good story. I shouldn't probably tell you this, but, <laughs> but it is illustrative of like, you know, like you just wouldn't have ever thought that could happen. And so she ended up having yeah. to have surgery and literally like had to put her intestines back together. Um, she did end up getting a great new career and a job and all that. But yeah, it was about a year of like a m- big mess because of that. Wow. So that's incredible. So it's good for you to be cautious of that thing. <laughs> so. Yes, the safeties are always on on our nail guns. Mm-hmm. My superintendent is very yeah uh, into safety. So which is great. I, I mean, I'm not a, not a proponent of safety. I just like people it knowing to slow you down. Yeah, I and I like it. people knowing to. I like people learning how to use the thing assuming something's going to happen not relying just on the safety switch you know what i mean like i like them to really understand what's functioning and what's happening like you know like binding with a skill saw like really understanding what causes that not just Mm -hmm. having a safety on your skill saw right yeah so um so what is something have you had anything that you've struggled with i mean it sounds like you had plenty of struggle before this job and that you, this is really a sweet spot for you. But is there anything that has been difficult just physically or things you've had to adjust to or anything? I think the most difficult things physically is when I can't reach something. So we're all doing 10 foot ceilings and I'll build a mm. channel, which is like for a, po- a pocket door or the end of a wall. A channel is you have three two by fours or three two by sixes that make like a U or a C shape. Mm-hmm. And then it makes it structurally more sound and also easier for people to drill for wiring or plumbing or whatever needs to happen. So I've been building channels that are huge. I got a two by sixes, standing them up and then needing to hammer in the bottom Mm -hmm. and then get up a ladder to hammer in the top when all my coworkers can just stand on the ground and hammer in the top. Mm -hmm. So it makes it a different kind of balancing act for me to safely get these things up in the air and then into their position mm-hmm. which over time when an experience will become easier but right now it's a hard balancing thing to do it's a struggle yeah 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 and as, as since we're so short and little you you really have to learn a lot of leverage but it's amazing mm-hmm. what you will be able to it's amazing what just good engineering you learning how to really maximize your body and leverage and tipping points and I'm surprised by the stuff I can still do with my body using Mm -hmm. leverage and tipping points and fulcrums and balancing and like, you know, like it's pretty incredible what a hundred pound woman can actually do like way more than you thought you could do. Like that's what I've found. Yeah. So that's kind of been the only real challenge at this job so far is Mm -hmm. the like the height part because the ceilings are so tall, but then I'll get up there and I have to get through joists that have piping in them mm-hmm. for the plumbing and to just nail right off through. the top of the shear wall and I just go right through it. You just and go right through it. <laughs> exactly, because yeah. you're skinny. Uh-huh. I love it. And, and they're can, struggling, right? They can't get their yeah. tummies through and their shoulders mm-hmm. through. Yep. And I can walk straight through uh, stud mm-hmm. bays in yes. walls. That's so awesome. So I'll just walk without turning. I'll just walk straight <laughs> through. And my boss is like, how do you do that? So you're really narrow. I love it. That's great. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a, I love the combination of the assets on the job and the fact that they're letting you really find your groove, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, okay. So that all sounds really good. Let's like turn a little bit and talk about, you, you mentioned that you have a wife, right? I think you said Sadie, like how long have you guys been married? 
Or maybe not married, maybe together, I guess. We've been together for 10 years and we've been married for five. Wow. Okay. And so what Mm -hmm. has that experience been like? Have you gotten any blowback at all? I mean, I know you're in the Bay Area, so it's probably not unusual at all. But has it been, have you come across anything where it's been kind of negative because you're, you know, gay and working in construction? Or has it just been like all positive? Uh, I think it's kind of a combo. I am a very butch person. Mm -hmm. So when you look at me, a lot of people will assume I'm a boy. And so that has kind of been more of a challenge than uh, they just assume that I'm gay at that point. Once they figure out I'm not a boy, they're like, oh, well, you must be gay. (laughs) So... Uh, Even though you have a very feminine voice, I have to I say, do. you yeah. definitely sound like a beautiful girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you see me, you're like, wow, that does not look like a girl. Interesting. So that is interesting when I talk to vendors or mm. clients on the phone and then they meet me for the first time. They oh. never assume that I am the Emma that they talk to on the phone. They're like, what? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been more so the different cultures that I find on a job site. Sometimes that will will bring in... Mm-hmm. different opinions about being gay, but most of the time it's more about being a woman. So they'll say misogynistic or sexist things on a job site. There'll be jokes. You always like mm-hmm. everything that is on a job site is female. So like if you're hitting a piece of wood and you gotta like tap her gently, you know, like yeah, hit that bitch. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. and then I'll start saying things like, are you talking about me? And they're like, oh my God, like I can't say that anymore. So mm-hmm. I start to bring awareness to the guys on the job site. And it was the, the guys I'm working with now are much more aware of, of that. They're more, for lack of a better word, politically correct. Mm-hmm. But the guys I worked with before weren't, and they didn't care if they offended me. And so it was a little bit of a struggle culturally to be there. Mm-hmm. And they knew that I had a wife and they would make jokes all the time about beautiful women and what I would do to those beautiful women or whatever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was uncomfortable making. But it would they were just trying to joke with me as if I was a guy. Yeah, which, I, is, which is part of the it's part of that club. I mean, it's it's just part of mm-hmm. it being in the construction world. A lot of it, you just have to like let roll off your back and it doesn't really exactly. mean anything. And it's just like, yeah, yeah it's more I, what I found is it's more important that they respect how good you are at your fucking job, which it sounds like you're yeah. really fucking good at your job. So that Thanks. does more for anything you can do. Like that's mm-hmm. does that speaks volumes, right? Yeah. Um, so the fact that they actually respect you is way more important than the rest <laughs> of the stuff, you know, <laughs> whatever comes out of their mouth. Yeah. 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 Even though I know it can be, you know, it can still be offensive and it can kind of hurt your feelings and stuff, but it's, you know, a lot of it's just guys being guys, like literally, and they're kind of, I don't know, guys sometimes can be, just be stupid. Like <laughs> they don't even know what they're doing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, okay. Well, it sounds like yeah, you handled but- that really well, but Yeah. Yeah, being a lesbian has been more tricky when I was working in retail. It mm. was harder in that really? arena than it. Yeah, yeah. What it was, was the- a lot of times the people that I was working with, you're stuck behind a counter. So if somebody comes in oh. that has comments to make, they're going to make them to you and you can't go anywhere and you have to be nice because the customer mm. is nice. When I'm on a job site, I don't have to be nice to anybody. Yeah. Like I will choose to be mm-hmm. nice to a homeowner if I need to, but. If a homeowner is rude to me, I might be rude back to them. Right. If it's an appropriate scenario. Or just walk off and cut wood somewhere. Do something exactly. else, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll I just can, be over I can here. physically move to a different place. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is really nice to be able to have that that freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
people would say stuff like in retail, they would literally say stuff to you. Like, oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> people are just rude. Yeah. Yep. And I had worked for somebody over when Prop 8 first happened in California in 2007 or 8 or whenever that was. And it got turned down and gay people weren't allowed to get married. I was working at a hardware store and the owner would play conservative radio, talk radio oh, all day. Yeah. Just okay. to have confrontations with me mm. while I was at work. And then he was like, I don't think you deserve to get married. And I had been with Sadie for less than a year at this point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And I quit the next day. Like yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I loved that job. It was a fantastic job, but I'm not going to be harassed and abused in that way. Yeah. Well, and it's just your opinion. Like keep it to yourself. Like there's things I don't like, but I don't necessarily share them publicly with that person or that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just, yeah, I don't, doesn't... I don't know why you have to share everything with everybody. Like you can just have your opinion and it could just be yours. Yeah. <laughs> right? And it doesn't bear on how I do my job. Right. You know, exactly. It has nothing to do with it. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, that's, Interesting, but I love the fact that you're able to just be yourself on this job and be the best version of yourself. And it sounds like really the sky is the limit here. Like they are just presenting so many opportunities and challenges and growth for you, which Mm -hmm. is a model for how this could be done in construction in the future. I love that. It's literally a shining example. Um, So let's switch to the pottery because I'm super excited about that personally. (laughs) I've always wanted to learn pottery and ceramics. So can you talk a little bit about that? I know you, I think you have a little studio and you're Mm going to be, um, you, you know, you got out of that business, but you're going to be creating a new business, I believe, and trying to get back into that a little bit on the side and maybe even offer some little workshops, maybe teach a little bit. Is that my understanding? Maybe. Yeah, definitely. So I've been doing ceramics for 18 years. It's a fantastic part of my life. I have a studio in Berkeley. It's a little garage behind someone's house. She turned it into a studio for herself and then retired because she's in her mid-80s and found we found each other and it's a great little space. And uh, I have taught classes in glaze chemistry in some local studios around. So I'm getting back into teaching glaze chemistry and potentially some forming techniques as well. Uh, but glaze chemistry isn't something that's really taught very much at all you can't really learn it from studios you go to you just Mm -hmm. learn how to glaze a pot but not how to make the glaze so oh i see oh i didn't get the i just now got what you were saying (laughs) you mean (laughs) you're actually not you would not just be teaching how to do the pot how to make the physical pot and how Mm -hmm. to fire it using glazes but also how to make your glazes is that what you're saying exactly oh man i think my head just exploded Oh, that's so exciting. I'm I'm signing up. I'll be your first apprentice. I want to take that Great. class. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I want to take all three of those classes, how to make the pot, how to fire it, and how to make my own glazes. Like, I love that whole concept. Um, yeah, because learning how to make a pot is just one piece of it. it. Yeah. You don't have a finished pot then. Right. You can't use it, right, until it's exactly. fired. Okay. So that's yeah. a really exciting side creative part that you get to be really artistic and technical, but in a totally different way from the stuff you're doing on site with the residential stuff, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Wow, your cup is full. I love it. You get to do a lot of cool stuff. So tell me a little bit about the little ceramic company that you're going to kind of restart, though, and what you're going to be offering with that, and maybe what you're going to do differently with your own little outside of the workshops, the little ceramic company that different from what you did before. Mm -hmm. So before my company was much more focused on tableware, and full dish sets and also home goods. So we made pet dishes and planters, uh, 
and hanging planters, things like that. And this time I'm kind of simpling it down. So I'm just going to be offering little cups and probably mugs as well because I enjoy making mugs. Uh, things for people to drink out of for the foreseeable future. The company is called M Pots. M as in Mary, capital. Oh, M Pots. M Pots. Oh. Yep. Hmm. And what's the background of that? Uh, Sadie is really creative with naming things. Mm -hmm. So she calls me M. So we just became yeah like M -Pots. emma m pots oh cute uh -huh. i love it yeah 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 so before it was much more a company of us combined she would design all the pots the aesthetic of it it was mm -hmm. a true collaboration and this time it's much more just me so i'm making those things to start with and then just going into some little shops locally kind of keeping it low-key i'll have an etsy store things like that and then I, before I did big trade shows, so I would go travel to different cities, set up a booth for a weekend. People would come buy pots. You're much more of a much more of a physical presence with people. I don't know that I'll be doing that in this scenario because I want to still focus on learning carpentry and and having that as a really big focus. Mm -hmm. And when I have such a big ceramic company, it's hard to keep a job that you're really passionate about. It's easy to do a retail job on the side, but Having yeah. something that's physical and passionate is, mm -hmm. they kind of are. And that's your, at, at yeah, and that's your priority. There's so much to mm -hmm. learn there. I mean, so much growth there. So, yeah. um, sounds good. Um, uh -huh. So when do you think, do you think maybe by fall you might be able to offer, you know, a class or so that you might want to fill for the ceramics, the beginner, like throwing pots, like the very baby beginners of that? Yeah, definitely. I think that that is uh, a timeline that would fit. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, I, um, this has been super interesting. I, I just love this job you have for you. It seems like such a good fit. And I love the concept of the pottery on the side is like another creative artistic outlet. And it seems like you're really, you've really grown and learned, learned what's really working well for you and taking advantage of, you know, all these different opportunities. So mm -hmm. I just thank you so much for joining me today. And I know the ladies are going to love this interview and, you know, and just what you're doing, showing what's possible. I think it's incredible. Yeah, well, thank you. It's been a really great inspiration to listen to the podcast and see other women in the trades as I was going from struggling as an electrical apprentice to wanting to be a carpenter. Hearing your story and Kayleen's story is like, oh, I can be a female carpenter. Absolutely. I need to get a 10 ounce You're, you're killing it. I need <laughs> to do that. Oh, you still don't have it yet. No, oh. no, I have it. Oh, I yeah. use it. Oh, you mean before. That's right. Because I was mm -hmm. like, I thought you had it. Yeah, it's like the best hammer ever. I just it absolutely is. love that hammer. I cannot my talk. My boss loves stealing it. He'll take it out of my tool belt and be like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> I know. My husband has one too. And he's like three times my size. But it's just yep. you could literally use that hammer all day and not be sore. It's just exactly. oh, it's the perfect weight, balance, like length, right? Just it's perfect. Yeah. So yes. awesome. I just I'm so glad you came on the show. And I can't wait to have you back again when you've got your classes going. And we can maybe, you know, interview a student or something, or you could talk about the classes in more detail. Um, and of course, I can talk about my experience of learning how to do pottery. for listening to remodel your life i sure have enjoyed being with you today and if you really like our show we'd love it if you would subscribe through itunes you can always send us feedback through email 
at Camille at remodelyourlifepodcast.com. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Remodel Your Life podcast. This episode has ended, but your remodeling journey can continue. Head over to remodelyourlifepodcast.com to access all the resources, tools, and links mentioned in this episode. Until next time, get your hands dirty and create the life you want from the foundation up. And thanks again to Blue Apron. I just love cooking with them and so appreciate their support of my show. Hearing your story and Kayleen's story is like, oh, I can be a female carpenter.